Hello, my dear podiumites. Welcome to another episode. Today we are here with Sigurd Eskilan, the Norwegian poker president. We talk about poker and other games and what kind of characteristics that are best to succeed in these games. We also talk about the status of poker today in Norway and in the world. If you like poker and you like games, then you'll like this episode because Sigurd had a lot of good stuff to say. Please like and share this episode and thank you for watching Podium. Welcome to Podium. Today we're here with Sigurd Eskilund, president of the Norwegian Poker Association. Welcome, Sigurd. Thank you. Thank Very you. nice to have you here. I appreciate being here. Perfect. I thought today we're going to speak generally about poker, poker in Norway, poker in the world. But I also want to talk about you a little bit. How do you come to your position that you're in and how you get interested in poker? You can start with from the, from the beginning. Okay, so um, I've always been very interested in games. I uh, grew up in a family where we played a lot of cards uh, on holiday, etc. And then that interest just kept uh, going through my younger years. I used to role, you know, do role play, Dungeons and Dragons, and yeah. then board games. Uh, and then, and then I, when I reached my 20s, I got interested in certain strategic board games. Uh, it's a board game called Diplomacy, specifically. That a risk? Was, How do you feel about risk? Yeah, it's, diplomacy is like a kind of an advanced version of risk, okay. but, but half of the game is talking to people. So, so you have to make deals with the other players. So, so it's part strategy, but also diplomacy. Okay. Anyway, um, I got really fascinated by that. I thought it was a lot of fun. And then I traveled a bit to play international tournaments, and I got good at it. And then my game interest shifted to another game that's called Magic the Gathering, which is a strategic card game um, that has similarities to poker, but it's more of like a fantasy um, fantasy setting, you know, with mages and wizards and trolls, etc. But it's a very strategic game, and in that game you could make money. They had professional tournaments, so I wanted to do that, so I put a lot of energy into playing that and I did really well I qualified for the professional tour and won one of the tournaments there and yeah and from there on a lot of the players that would were really did really well in magic they also did well in poker because it a lot of there are a lot of similar skills so then I got interested in poker too and I started reading books and just playing a lot and then um, this was early 2000 okay and then in 2010 I decided I wanted to try uh, my luck as a professional poker player, so I quit my job. Oh, you quit your job? Yes. I was, I'm was. i a teacher originally, so okay. uh, I used to work in a children's school in Oslo, but we, we were moving, so it was a good time to quit because I would have to either have to travel very far for the same school or find another okay. school, so I just decided this is a time I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life if I don't try, if I don't try. So, so I went for it, and then quite like half a year after, or just... Well, just after I quit my job, I won a quite big tournament in Las Vegas. Okay. It sort of set me up for, for a few years. So, Is that where you won a bracelet? Yes. Yeah. I won what's called a World Series of Poker bracelet in 2010. Okay. Um, and then it was just poker for, for several years. And then in 2013, um, there was going to be an election in Norway. And because of the way... Uh, the polls were, we were expecting a change if, of government from what's called well, the Labour Party or the sort of the left left side 
to more of the right side of the shift. And among those parties, parties, it was more a friendly environment for legalizing poker. So then some, some people decided, well, some you know, poker players decided, we want to try to influence this process if, if there's a change because we want to make poker legal because poker was just illegal at that point. And then I was asked if I would consider leading the new federation, association. Oh, okay, yeah. And then we started it in 2013, and then I've been the leader. First, the first three years, first couple of years, I was a leader, and then we changed the title to president mm. to make it a little bit more <laughs> fancy, you know. I would have so, done the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, well, but I, yeah, the reason why it wasn't a president originally was it felt weird to have like an organization with, with no members and, and a president. Of but course. once we grew, <laughs> I, I became president. So I've been that since 2013, and I Six still am. Six years now. Six years. So How do you find it? Well, it's um, I like it. Um, it's a blessing to be able to work with something that really interests you. You know, I've I've had my I've had my hobby as an income source of income since 2010. I'm not. I do not consider myself. A, I'm not a professional poker player anymore now because, well, for several reasons that we can get back to. But but I still have it like a hobby and I still have ambitions. But but now sort of the work with the with the federation is the uh, is the key is is what I do sort of for a living, um, but yeah, it's it's very interesting. It's very it's very var- varied. There's all kinds of different tasks to do. Um, everything from from just ans- you know just from making posts in social media and answering emails to being responsible f- for finances to be guest on podcasts yeah, or exactly. <laughs> or debates on TV and to write stuff for the papers and. Meeting politicians, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's quite varied. And okay, yeah, so like yeah we're going to come back to the pol- pol- politics politics of it all. But I also want to ask you about that um, transition from becoming a teacher to a poker player. So you said you were uh, earning poker players since 2010, right? I was a professional since 2010, yeah. yeah. And then you you quit being a teacher in 2013, is no. that correct? No, I I was like I played po- I started playing poker early 2000, maybe 2002, 2003 I started playing poker and then I played a lot. Okay. And after a few years I started making good money mm-hmm. of it and eventually I made more money playing poker than I did as a teacher oh, okay, but I, I was combining mm. uh, so I built up sort of um, uh, bankroll as we say some safety but then I knew that I had to give it a go to sort of really see how far I could take it and that was in 2010 okay yeah, so because it, to me, it kind of felt like you were just like a no. struggling poker player, just be no. like, uh, no, let's quit my job and do this for for real. No, too much. No, I'm too much of a pragmatic. Yes, uh, exactly. I, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't a big gamble, and and also I because of my education, uh, a teacher. You can always get a teacher's job in Norway if you're, you know, if you had your education Absolutely. and are a decent human being, you know. So so I had that safety net always. Yeah, there's not a shortage of uh, teacher needed teachers in Norway. At, no, and, at all. and also male teachers, there are a shortage of. Exactly. So, yeah. Okay, so you don't see yourself coming back to teaching at any point. Um, one of the things that I really like about my life is that I don't know exactly yeah. where I'll be in a couple of years. Um, when I was working as a teacher, I felt that I had sort of my whole life lined up ahead of me. I was going to do this until I 
retired and it was going to be the same and the same the same and it just grew more and more frustrating but now i live more in the uncertainty um the election as the president for for being a president of my uh, for our association is one year at a time so i'm there for one year at a time and i don't know what's happening after and maybe i'll go back to teaching i it's not something i think i'll do now but but perhaps but i really don't know where i will be i just of course i would like to uh, I, I sort of made a goal for myself that i would like to work with things that i no like mm. for the rest of my life i don't know if i can but you know to do just things that i find funny and interesting is my goal but we'll of see of course yeah. and you try more when you do that yeah. and when you enjoy your work you really put yourself into it yes it i mean quality if if you're enjoying what you do the quality will just automatically be better i think exactly i once um, worked in a when i was like 16 17 years old i worked as a carpet tosser in yeah. trondheim yeah. basically my job was to toss carpets from one side to the other and when you do jobs like that, it's kind of like your your body is busy, but your brain is somewhere else. But when you have a job where your brain and body is completely in the work, I think that's super rewarding. Yeah. So um, if you found that, you know, you've obviously found that. So. Yeah, I'm, I've been hmm, fortunate, I guess. But uh, but also, I mean, there was a lot of hard work into my pokey career. Mm. So it's not like it just it, it, no, was, it wasn't not. it wasn't luck. It was a lot of. You know, I was very determined to to get where I wanted to go. So mm. I spent a lot of time on it and sacrifi- made sacrifices, uh, you know, in other places in my life to get there. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, skill and what you're, that you're talking about, skill and luck in poker. Mm-hmm. And but first, I want to touch on po- the political aspect of it, and especially in Norway. How is um, poker in Norway right now? Is it legal? Is it illegal? Yeah, good question. How's the situation? What's the status? Yeah, so it's a bit complicated, but we will go through it. Um, so in before 2013, nothing was. It was completely illegal. But then there was a change of government, and they decided to make a change of the rules. So now two things are legal. One thing that's legal is it's legal to have a Norwegian championship. That's an annual thing um, with certain you know, regulation to it. But uh, we just had one in... Stocke in uh, um, yeah, near Tunsberg. Um, that was aired on national TV, very successful. Um, so that's legal. And also running qualifiers for that championship is legal. But you're not allowed to have sort of bigger tournaments for the rest of the year. Okay. But you're allowed to have um, home, what, what's called home games. So in your home with maximum 10 people, maximum 1,000 kroners you can play. So we could play... 1,000 kroners each? Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's the limit. So you can play at home and you can play um, the national championship, but besides that, you can't really play legally. Okay. That seems. Uh, it doesn't seem very pragmatic. It doesn't doesn't seem like it would work. I mean, well, there you is, kind of opened the gates. Well, the result. I mean, there's there's always been illegal poker clubs in Norway ever since the seventies, and there still are. Uh, so they tried to shut down a few, but others will pop up so when you don't regulate the market then uh, black market will pretty much always appear Um, so that's what's happening and uh, then you have all kinds of clubs some clubs are run really professionally and they and you know have big uh, bigger games and some are just more like a small gathering of 14 15 people and they will you know they will have some waffles and coffee and play 
only just you know a smaller game, but you have the whole specter, uh, but it's all sort of illegal unless you're within the home rule. Of course. Uh, how have you seen like? I, I know there was a raid on a poker club in Norway like one or two years ago. I think there was, was like... there was a there was several. They had like an organized organized um, uh, sort of raids on I think five different clubs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time. Yeah. So there was basically the five biggest clubs or five of the biggest clubs in Oslo that they shut down simultaneously. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and. Um, that sort of killed the poker in Oslo for a while, but now there are other clubs, mm. <laughs> and, and they're just more a little bit more smaller and more sort of, um, yeah. You have to know it a little bit more to to get there. But obviously, but that's the thing. It seems like you know when you suppress something like poker and you get the, these black market clubs, and then these black market cl- market clubs need protection and they get protection from criminal organizations, and that's what you saw in Norway. Basically, you saw all these clubs being protected by criminal organizations so when you when when they have that 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 um home invasion it's actually they unpack a lot of crime well as, well i know that some of these clubs they paid uh, money to to uh, yeah what's it called the mob or whatever yeah. uh, criminal gangs criminal organizations yeah. so what happens is you have an activity like poker which is illegal uh, but there's a market for it, so, so so people host it. So because it's an illegal market, they can't. Because it's a illegal alternative, they can't get protection from the police. So then that creates a situation where others can say we would we like to protect you, you, but it's yeah. not really protection, right? It's just like we, you have to pay us, or else we will. Exactly, it's uh, a good old mob. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of that. So 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 there was some. Not all clubs. Some clubs. I don't know exactly how many, etc. But some clubs were definitely doing that, and I don't. And I think that was, from what I understand, that was maybe only Oslo. I haven't heard about it anywhere else, but I don't know. I mean, I, that's what I think, or it's what I've heard. Uh, but um, the big issue is that um, the Norwegian government, they are shutting their eyes and pretending that there isn't an issue when there is. They're saying, because it's illegal, it's no issue, we don't have to do anything about it, but it is, because people want to play, and they will play, and because there isn't a legal you know, place, an offer to play, then other places will pop up. And what do you think the reason is for that, that they, okay, so they've made it a little bit more legal than it was previously, right? Why, what's the reason for them not making it fully illegal and them ignoring when they, there's this huge crime bust that it was when those five clubs were raided? Why do they ignore that? Because it's not important enough for them and okay. also because um, it's, not, it's not a super easy s- solution how to, how to legalize it. Mm. Like you'll have to put it in. We have, in Norway, we have a certain way of organizing um, of organizing money games like uh, we have a monopoly and we have a few different big we have what's called Norsk Tipping which is the Norwegian sort of lottery that, that has most of it and then we have those uh, that do horse gaming and then we have some different lotteries but how do we sort of put poker into that um, and then also we have certain yeah, it's just it, I mean, we have we have solutions. There will be solutions for this, but it's not an easy solution. Of course, 
so so that that's one thing but then i think mostly no one really wants to touch it like they're afraid of bad publicity mm. uh, for a lot of politicians it feels like a lot of, it's very important to them obviously to get votes mm. so um traditionally poker has a bad reputation from from you know the old movies with western and and drinking whiskey it's not like that anymore no, it has not. been for years but <laughs> yeah. it still has some sort of negative yeah. feelings towards it so i mean it's literally, literally something you can do in your underwear at home whilst yeah. eating a kebab or something yeah, like that. yeah <laughs> that is true and uh, <laughs> i've definitely played poker in my under- underwear many times uh, yeah. online <laughs> online though but yeah um Oh, so yeah, I, but it's uh, it's again it's a big it's, it seems like a big problem of the red tape or the bureaucracy that is kind of um, standing in the way for something like poker to be legal because it's very hard to put it into the government when it has to go through all these instances to, in order to be regularized in order to be legalized and all those kinds of things. But how do you then see Norwegian poker in the future, and also how would you like it to look like in the future if those goes sort of hand in hand? Yeah, so you can start with the first one. How do you see? It? Yeah, so it's about being realistic, I think, mm-hmm. because we Norway has a certain way of doing things, um, and we are a quite restrictive country in many, uh, many different areas. Absolutely. Our you know our politics on alcohol, for instance, uh, is quite restrictive. So I think that the most realistic way to do it in Norway is to get it under an umbrella that we already have here um, and to have like similar regulations that other games are. So for instance, Norsk Tipping, which is the biggest company that runs, you know, odds and, and, and like Lotto and they have a limit on how much you can play for each month, uh, which I think is about 20,000. So it's a lot of, you know, that's a lot of money for mm-hmm. most people. So I think that you will need to have like a system where, where poker is regulated with a, with with a similar limit. Like there's a certain amount you can play for each month. So most, a lot of people, some people will lose it, some people will win, but that there is a limit because, um, like the key, the most important thing for Norwegian um, gaming politics is to protect those that have an issue with it. And some people are, you know, problematic gamblers. And we need a system that prevents that because that's the way we do it in Norway. So it will have to be some kind of system where that's taken care of. And it would be have to be digital, digitalized. So you wouldn't be able to go in with cash and you would have to use your card. And then you get chips. And when you finish playing, you take your chips back. You get cash the money not. back in your account. So it's all... But it's this always this also solves a lot of issues. You know, it solves an issue with with you know money laundering that could be an issue for some. So I think it would have to be a system like that where where we we would have clubs, but it would always all will be digital and um, and then also part of the income would have to and this is a good thing would go to something like sports or you know charity of some kind, mm-hmm. whether it's cancer or the Red Cross or or whatever. Um, because that's another really important part of how we do this in Norway. You know, in, income from 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 games like that, they go to something good. So, so that's the other part. Yeah, I, I uh, personally, I have a problem with those kinds of things when it comes to the government uh, actually picking how much you're able to spend on poker or whatever kind of thing a month or a year or whatever. I, I, I'm a libertarian in that sense. Well, I am too, but yeah. this, this is this is the realistic way <laughs> exactly. that you're asking me how can it be and this is how it can be. Like, that is exactly right. 
So it's, it's a very realistic approach, and I would actually have the same approach because having a libertarian approach to this in Norway wouldn't be, that would be completely unrealistic. So yeah, it, it just would, no, there's no way it would, at least not now, maybe sometime in the future, but now... Exactly, knock on wood. Yeah. Um, but um, do you see then there ever becoming something like a casino in Norway, like in Oslo or like a physical casino? I think that's quite realistic because we have it in Sweden and we have it in Denmark and those are the two countries that it's more and also Finland so these are the countries that it's natural for us to look at and also we can do it online so you can go online and you can play roulette or blackjack or whatever uh, in in within the Norway Norwegian monopoly at Norsk Tipping mm -hmm. so I think it's quite likely that it will happen at some point but it just takes someone to Sort of decide it, kind exactly. of. Yeah. Okay, so, um, like, if there were were to be a casino, how would uh, let's try to make this, uh, let's try to put it on paper. <laughs> how would you want to run that casino? Would it also be some sort of a regulation for how much people could spend in a casino in Norway, for example? It would be because it's Norway, so that's the way it, it would be run, most likely. Do you uh, know how the casinos in Sweden are, for example? I. Not sure, but the thing is, like, I don't really want, like, I don't, I'm not really neither against or for casino, but I don't really care about roulette or blackjack yeah. or those games. I am a poker player, and I think poker is a quite different game than those other games. The difference is in poker, we play against each other, you play against the people. So if you're better than those you play with, in the long term, you'll win money. But if you play roulette, then you're just playing against the bank, and, and in the long run, you always lose money. Um, so that's sort of the beauty with poker. So, so I'm trying to keep poker sort of on the side, and would rather regulate it in like card clubs where mm -hmm. it's skill based. Um, so, so I don't have like a huge opinion on on how a casino would be because I really, it's really not care. something. Yeah, exactly. I really don't care. Yeah, mm. I don't. It's mm. not my. It's not my area of expertise yeah. and. You know, I don't like those games particularly because I like to play games where I can influence the result and I can in poker and I can't in most of those. I mean, you can you can influence your result by playing blackjack, but mm. it's like there's a right strategy and there's a wrong strategy. And then if you're stupid, you're playing the wrong strategy. But if you're playing the right strategy, you're still losing money in the long run. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so now we can go down to the itty-gritty of it. Uh, and I want to talk about luck. Luck contra skills in poker. Yeah. This has been a big... It's, controversy but it's been a big a topic in, in poker ever since i've heard about it basically and i've seen rounders probably like six times or something and i know that poker basically is it's such a skill uh, game that's it's a reason why the same top five come back every year in poker and but uh, how is it how how is it that you can know that for for a fact that skill is a much bigger uh, attribute to have in poker than for example luck i mean of course luck plays a role but why does skill play such a much bigger role? Well, it actually depends a little bit on on the circumstances because you can you can create a poker scenario where luck has most of the impact. Mm -hmm. So let's say that you play a poker game and you have uh, everyone starts with a hundred chips each, and then the blinds are. Um, if you're playing Texas Hold'em, the blinds will be, which is the set amount of, of, of sort of money you have to bet at the start of the game. Let's say that's you know, 20, 10 and 20. So that's one fifth of your starting stack is 
already in place for one person. So that will mean that um, you won't have much time or to make any adjustments because because the bets are already, already so big. So it's going to be a lot of luck who decides mm. who wins. But if we do the same thing, still 1020, but now we're starting with 100,000 each, then we have... Uh, then you then you have a lot of time to wait for better cards. You have a lot of um, possibilities to maneuver with the chips you have because your chips is your firepower. The more you have, the more you can sort of wield. So, 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 it, so the question about luck or skill in poker it will depend a little bit. But in most cases, in all kinds of poker that are played, you know, in casinos or in clubs and in tournaments, etc., there is a lot of skills, um, and no one really. No one that has any idea questions that it is a, a game of skill. It's just a matter of how much. And the way it's defined in Norway is that if there's an element of luck, then it's a lottery. Exactly. So poker is defined <laughs> as a lottery because there is elements of luck. And yeah. we can't deny that because the cards are random. Um, but, but there is also the, several different um, uh, science reports that shows the skill in poker. So Obviously. And there's, I mean... If you talk about sports in general, there's a luck factor in absolutely everything. And from sport to sport, it varies, varies exactly how much luck it is. Yeah, so, so this is a kind of a dumb comparison. But for instance, ski jumping, you know, win has a lot to do there. So is it, is exactly. it, a, lot, is it exactly. a lottery? Well, there's an element of luck to it. So in theory, it's a lottery, but no one calls it that. So it's it, kind of, it's an inconsistent rule, really. Absolutely. And e even there, you could make the argument that maybe ski jumping is more luck than it is to poker, than in poker. It can definitely be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so you mentioned you played ma Magic. Uh, what, do you, what do you call it? Might of Magic? Mag magic the Gathering. I used, magic I used gathering. to play that, yeah. It was before poker, but yeah. And yeah. you said you were really good. At, you were pretty good at that game. Yeah. And... In these games, I know there are certain traits, attributes that make you better than than other attributes. What do you think like are the main attributes that make you uh, personal attributes that make you a better poker player? For me or for in general? Let's start with you. Um, so, for me as a poker player, experience has a lot to to do with it because there's a lot of young people play, and I've played this game now competitively for you know more than fifteen years. So that's one one thing. Um, it's strategic thinking also a lot and uh, and sort of so you need a certain amount of understanding of probabilities um, you need good people skills it's because you need to you're playing against people so if you can pick up tendencies <coughs> sorry if you can pick up tendencies or tells as we call them that's important and then finally a really important skill that I have worked a lot on his mental strength so because because in poker sometimes you win sometimes you lose and it's just in general to have poker as your occupation um it's not that many types of work where you can go to work one day and then come back with less money than you started with right most most jobs don't it's like poker and stock mm. investors so it takes a lot of um you need to have a cool head in order to, you know, do that well because it's it's very can be very emotional, stressful. So that's one thing that's that I've worked a lot on. Mm. Okay, so one of the attributes you mentioned is to be order to read people. This is something that has always, to me, been the key selling point for poker because yep. I I always picture myself as being a good social reader. But how do you 
how do you, can you give me like a good example of how you would read a person? So there's, there's two main categories of reading. Uh, one is just to understand as much as you can on, about the person. So for instance, when I start, when I sit down at the table, I start to put people into boxes. Um, I try to, I look a little bit of how, of how, on how they dress, you know, their body language, how much they talk, how confident they seem. And on that, I'll just make an assumption on how they play based on experience from other people that seem similar. And then once once I start playing, then those boxes, I mean, I, will, I might switch boxes, but it's like, you know, you try to sort of have an idea and work from there. Um, it can also be, um, if you're playing in an international tournament, some different nations have different sort of traits like if you if you have a player from southern america southern europe like france or italy or spain uh, often they will be because of the way i mean they have a more uh, passionate way of i don't know if you understand what i mean like it's a, we, we are more cool and laid, not laid back but we are more you know restrictive here you know they, but down there there is more fire there's more, more yeah, fire exactly. yeah so when they play also it's a bit more aggression maybe so you can already from seeing someone's nationality you can have an idea maybe of how they play depending on how how good they are mm. so so you make all this kind of assumption based on age based on everything and then you 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 have like a box and a, an idea of how they're going to play and then you change it the other thing um and then and then to, to to say something about that, that you'll play. I'll play differently versus different categories. So if mm-hmm. someone is really aggressive, then you wanna, then you maybe wanna trap them. You wanna find a good hand and then let them bet into you and sort of take their money that way. But if someone is more seem like a more passive player and more scared, maybe then you're just gonna chip away and s- slowly steal these chips one by one because it's going to fall too much. Okay. So that's that's the bigger thing, and then there's the smaller, like the more uh, specific reads. Um, that has certain kind, kinds of tells, like um, how they put their chips into the pot, how much eye contact they have during um, during a hand. Like, and I, I guess that how much eye contact they have would relate to that kind of person that they are. Yeah, so one person can have can be staring at you and have a very good hand, and another person can be staring at you and have a weak hand. So it's so it's not like it's it's so it's all these kinds of things you have to mm. sort of. Um, figure out and it sounds really complicated because but but when you get experience like all the other for a new player on the poker table it will be enough just to manage your chips and to to you know look at your cards and that's it but once you have that automized when you played for years i mean don't even think about those things so then you can focus more on the person so but there are certain certain tells that that i look for eye contact is one and then um uh, how you put the chips into the pot if you're shaking, for instance, those mm. kinds of things. Okay, so let's put this to the test a little bit. Yeah. If we were to sit down and play a round of Hold'em, uh, yeah. me and you, yeah. we meet across, there's nobody else there. We sit down and you look at me, give me one, one gaze, we sit down, we get the cards. What would you think about this guy? Yeah, this is a really tough one because uh, I haven't seen you play it, but I, but like you, I, I think that... You probably wouldn't. I think you would probably be, have an aggressive style. I would guess. You know, okay. you're not not really afraid of uh, betting a little bit. That would be my guess. But uh, it's super interesting. Just in having that aspect that you you're reading the person already before you started playing. Yeah, That's, yeah. That to me is sort of sort of like um, it's the biggest 
it, it's sort of the biggest key to saying that this is so not luck at all because you're, you, the game has already started before you started. It's kind of like boxing. You know, you started, you read the, the boxer before you get into the ring and you try to scare him, the scare tactics, and then you start with the real game itself. And that's also always been the, the key interest point for me. But do you see any original traits out there that you see, like poker players, maybe it could be in Norway or maybe it could be internationally, some player that has some kind of unreadable trait that you don't know unless you really know the player? Well, well it's like one thing we haven't discussed is how to not... How to, how to sort of conceal yeah, yourself. Exactly. And once you get good and get comfortable, then it's hard to read. You know, you can't... The reads are... They work on inexperienced people or people that haven't played live much. So um, on really good players, you can't really see that much. So then you have to look for... Then you have to sort of find all the ways of doing it. And then it becomes more a mathematical, mechanical mm. game. Mm. Um, but something that's really interesting in poker... Uh, is that there are really two schools. There, one is the like people school, where you look at people and you try to understand and you feel sort of. Mm. But the other is the very more, much more mechanical, computer based style where you analytical. Just, yeah. Uh, so, and ideally you want both, but most people are sort of grounded in one of them. That's exactly. This is exactly what, uh, what would help me as a poker player personally because I feel like I'm in that school where you do it emotionally, basically. Yeah, yeah. I'm not big on maths. I know maths, <laughs> but not to that great extent, especially not so I can pull it out from my pocket and use it however I, I want at a whim. But um, how would you... Um, what would you give as a tip to a person that is more in that one school than the other? Yeah, there's a lot of good training material online, I'd okay. say, like YouTube videos and just find, take a look at videos and see, find the good ones, those mm. that, you know, are winning players that say something and look at that and just see how they play a little bit. So I think that's uh, a quick way of learning. Mm. And then um, once, I mean, th this is that's the fast way. The, the best players in the world, what they do is they really dive into the computer programs. Like in chess, I mean, chess is really big in Norway because of Magnus Carlsen. Um, almost every Norwegian has watched chess on TV and then we learn about openings and we learn about how they study. They have teams that, you know, will try to find out a new <laughs> move that hasn't been made before and they have computer right. programs that calculate it. But poker has similarities. So the best players they have... Uh, programs that um, that uh, work on game theory optimal play. Okay. Um, so they will punch in a certain scenario and the computer will make calculations and it will come up with solutions for you. And what's interesting with that is very often the computer, they will come up with different solutions than what we would think. So then we have to um, try to understand why. Why, mm -hmm. why is this the correct way of doing it? And mm -hmm. then learn from there. So, but but that's that's on the level where you really have to, yeah. The, those are for the basically the full time players and of most course. players like um, like you and me that uh, are not professionals you anymore. And me. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we don't do that. So, but then we cheat. So we look at the players that have put work into that, and they will make some kind of educational video, and then we can just learn bits mm. from it. Yeah. Would you have some some? Would you say that you are? Um, and or how would you go for I, I mean I know the subjectivity in my, the question that I'm asking but how would you go forth with 
sort of try to pick a person apart that is not as experienced in poker, maybe. You know, you try to see his weaknesses, but is there something that you can do to cater to his weaknesses, so make him weaker, so sort of play on his weaknesses? Well, definitely don't show any weakness yourself. Mm. So confidence is quite important. You know, mm. it's, a mental, it's a mental game. And then um, I don't like to... And some people try to talk and and sort of throw people off their game. I don't do that for several reasons. One of them is that I don't. I like to do the gentleman's approach if I can. So I'd rather be, you know, silent and, and friendly. But 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 I think that the longer the game goes, the more advantage you get if you're better. So and also. Um, if you're if you're experienced, then you'll also be more focused when when you get tired. So I don't yeah, know. I don't do anything particular to, but I just try to do what I can to be really focused and and confident. And then mm. yeah. Do you prefer then? Do you prefer to play uh, live or do you prefer to play uh, digitally? Definitely live. Definitely live. Yeah, yeah. And that's because of all these aspects that you have to. Yes. But there's some players that specialize in playing digitally, as I understood, right? Yeah, it's. It's uh, I mean, you can. There's. It's easier to find games. I mean, it's always twenty four seven. There's always games going, um, and you can play a lot of tables at the same time. When I used to play, I mean, you could play twenty, thirty tables simultaneously if mm. you're fast and know what you're doing. So that means it's a. Uh, um, because you're playing a lot, then the variance, you know, the the luck goes down yeah. because it evens out, right? Of the, course. The more you play, the it, it, the more it evens out. So that's another factor. Mm. Um, and I guess it has to do with, and you can also do it from from home whenever it suits you. You can take a day off you if you want to, or you can play ten days straight, or you can play at night, or yeah. Exactly. So it's very flexible. Hmm. But if you're playing live, then you have to play. When there's a game going, or like me, I, I prefer playing tournaments. That's that's what I. When I stopped playing professionally, I I decided I want to play when I you know I want to do what I think is fun, and tournaments are fun for me. Uh, so then I'll play them. But that's I mean, there's not that many big tournaments, and often you have to travel for them. So it's of more course. complicated. Yeah. How do you like? How do you play now? If you don't mind me asking, how do you play now in like a let's say a week to week basis? Do you play every day, or do you play very little? Okay. Yeah. Very little I play. I play the big championships. I play the Norwegian championships. We have two Norwegian championships actually. One abroad and one in this is one in Norway. And then I play usually like a Nordic championship and I have a yearly trip to Vegas. Mm. And then I practice a little bit online from time to time. Um, Like I play some online where the focus is more to um, the focus isn't really about winning. I mean I'm happy to win but it's more about yeah, working on on my game because mm-hmm. because poker is constantly evolving and and the best players they put a lot of hours into it. So and and I still want to be competitive and I know that technically, like the on the math based, I won't be as good as them, but I want to sort of narrow the gap a little bit. So. Of course, I want to touch on one uh, one last aspect is that I read something about you on online about you playing when you played in the Norwegian Championships. You said that. You, you, you like the opportunities when you get to play because you get to shake off the rust, sort of, and see, see what happens. When you, when you talk about the rust, you, I, I know you're, you're trying to say that you're trying to find back to the qualities that made you the poker player that you are, basically. How would you say that being away from poker um, 
makes your qualities what what kind of qualities is it that you need to take the rust off sort of yeah it's mostly like the read mm. i think okay um that you get because you don't practice it it gets weaker mm. and probably a lot to do with confidence too like if you're if you played a lot and you sort of you're going well then then you feel it's yeah then then you get confident but if you haven't played in a while it's more that so i think like the technical sides of it like the odds it's just there because yeah, it's then it's a lot but it's more the people part that needs that then need to shake off the rust a bit to get back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you do you feel that you use that in your day-to-day life personal life um yes well i can't see not doing that no i do that i mean i've always been a people person so that's one side but also the also the pragmatic like more probability side like i'll i'll do a lot of risk aversion yeah yeah. so like i'm not yeah so i i'm not into parachute jumping for instance because i don't really see the upside personally (laughs) but uh, there is a possible downside so i'm skipping that (laughs) that's that's a stupid explanation but i think a lot about you know it's just there it's just like once you played enough poker you start to think a little bit about uh, as a poker player but also like i think just in general like working with the federation you look at if there are decisions to be made on on how to do things, you look at upsides and downsides. You try to sort of make calculations of things. It's not like you use numbers, but you try to look at the upside and downside and what what's biggest. And um, I just do that in general in a lot of places in in my life. I think. Hmm. Very nice. Um, this was a great conversation, Sigurd. I want thank to you. thank you very much for coming to Podium. And um, do you have anything, any tips about? Uh, something that that's coming up in the future regarding tournaments that people maybe want to watch or maybe want to sign up for or anything like that i think that in general we have there are two there are two norwegian championships Mm -hmm. Uh, so for the norwegians listening there we have one in dublin uh, that has a long long tradition and then we have the one in norway that has sort of been decided by the government we have in norway so that's why we still have two because they're very different but they're both great but if you are a Norwegian poker player, you should definitely just go. It's nothing, I mean, it's not scary once you get there. And it's an experience for a lifetime, so you should go there. And, and if you're from abroad, there's just a big number of really great run tournaments all over the world. So just go to one. one of the Yeah, other. so it's not that you, you have to be at a certain level to go to the Norwegian Championship. No. Everybody can go there, even yeah. me. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, and, and you, can, you can do, I mean, you can do well also. Because it's like, that's the beauty of poker that... Anyone can compete, and on a good day, you can do really well. So perfect. I can tell you what I'm. I'm absolutely coming to Norwegian Championships next year. Perfect. That's hundred percent. I'll see you then. Thank you very much for coming, Sigurd. Thank Thanks you. for the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Espenar from Podium. Om du har lyst til å støtte oss, så må du gjerne gå in på podiumpodcast.org. Om du er norsklytter, så må du gjerne støtte oss via VIPS. Takk for at du bidrar til fritale, kritisk tenkning og åpen debatt på vår plattform.